Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your blood and for your name. We thank you for your people today. Lord, for the church and the body of Christ today, that is, that we are among those, oh God, that we are members of this same body today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for every breath, oh God. We thank you for life and health. We thank you for ears to hear, both physically and spiritually. We thank you for eyes to see, both physically and spiritually, Lord Jesus. We thank you for every opportunity to be among your people today, Lord Jesus, to be a part of your body, to be a part of what you're doing, Lord, in the kingdom in this last day, Lord Jesus. We count it a privilege and an honor to be here today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let us never forget, O God, who saved us and delivered us, O God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, and Jesus' name. Let's pray over this service together one more time. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be among your people today. Lord, we take authority and dominion over every spirit, over every principality and power, over every dark spirit, over every human spirit, Lord Jesus. We take authority and dominion. We plead your blood over the souls and the minds and the hearts of those that are in this place, those that are online, in the name of Jesus. We plead your blood over this service today, O God, that you would have your way, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are just your vessels, O God, today. Minister to your people today. Minister to your vessels today. We are your vessels of honor. We are your kings and your priests today, Lord Jesus. And we need your direction. We need your anointing. We need you to anoint our minds, O God. We need you to anoint our minds, O God, and our ears to hear, Lord Jesus, what your spirit is saying to your church today, Lord, to your body today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your being so near us today and so relevant today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 amen. God's not trying to catch up to the current culture. He's not some old guy that's just not with it. He's way ahead of us. He's way ahead of us. He saw this coming before any of us were ever even born. Amen. And so we are in God's business today. We're doing God's business every day that we live. Amen. And he said in Acts 1 and 8, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why did, why did, why did he say that? He, he answers that question right after that, to be witnesses unto me. Amen. He's empowered us. He's empowered us. When in our flesh we have fear, we have doubt, we have unbelief, and we're going to have that in our flesh, but we don't have to worry about that. If he's empowered us to go forth and do what he's called us to do. Paul had no idea what he was getting himself into, but he he just kept he just moved forward. He just stepped right into it and said, "Okay, God, you're the one that filled me with the you're the one that called me and delivered me. You're the one that's going to equip me as I go." And I heard a preacher one time say, "He's only give you going to give you enough light for the next step. 
He's not going to give you light for 20 steps out. He's only going to give you light for the next step. And that's what you got to trust. That He knows what the steps are after that. And He might have you getting ready to take a step that you're not comfortable with, that you're not familiar with. Missionary Cindy Miller, many years ago, was came to a service that we were in and preached and talked about how God showed her that she was on the edge of a cliff and there was a fog and she couldn't see anything. She didn't know if there was a she didn't know if there was a cliff or another place to step, but God was telling her in this vision to just step and trust him. And he was showing her something in the in the spirit that he was trying to get her to see in the in the natural. You know, I'm getting ready to ask you to go do some stuff. She was in another foreign country, France or someplace and God was fixing to ask her to do something he'd never asked her to do before. And it was unfamiliar ground. It was unfamiliar territory. Anybody ever been there? And if you're going to serve God, you're going to, he's going to take you into some unfamiliar territory on purpose. Because he wants to see if you'll trust him. Because we're not operating in our faith, really. We're operating in his faith. It's his faith. That works through us to accomplish His will. That's what we're about. I love seeing everybody, but we're not here for that. We're about accomplishing His will today. So I'm going to get into this. We're going to finish this Exploring God's Word lesson today. And then we're going to have a little something uh, toward the end. And I'm going to equip you. Or at least that's my effort is to equip you. Because that's what this has been all about all along. Not just so that you can see Brother DeMuth up here teaching the home Bible study, but so that you can get it in your head that you need, you can and you need to be doing this. Population of La Crosse is 51,000, give or take. 10% of that is 5,100. 1% of that is 510. We're not going to fit 510 people in this building. On this floor. Not going to happen. So if we're going to even reach 1% of this city right now at this very moment, we don't have enough room for 510 people. If we even elevated ourselves to 10%, we definitely don't have enough room on this block for 5,100 people. And I, I believe that's what God wants us to do. So where are we going to put all those people? 510 people, where are we going to put them? <laughs> Living rooms? Community centers? Somewhere besides here. Because they're not all going to fit here. And it would be a literal nightmare for this city if we had to have five or six services today to service 510 people. There's no parking for that. We'd have some really mad neighbors. <laughs> We'd probably get to know some of the cops really well. So it's not going to happen in this building, is what I'm trying to say. Never was intended to be that way. Never. Go back and study your Bible. It was never intended to be like this. I'm not saying that what we're doing is wrong. I'm just saying. I just got to thinking about this. 510 people are not going to fit in this building. But I digress. Jesus comes for his church. We're getting ready to finish up uh, lesson 11. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 says, 
But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. We have a hope, don't we? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will be will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Nobody's going to get ahead of anybody. We're going to be together. God's timing is perfect with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words or with this truth. That same scripture in the Amplified Classic says this, Now also we would not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fall asleep in death, that we may not that you may not grieve for them as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave. For since, so for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep in death. For this, was, this we declare to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall, be, shall in no way precede unto his presence or have any advantage at all over those who are previously fallen asleep in him, in death. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of summons, with the shout of an archangel, with the blast of the trumpet of God. And those who have departed this life in Christ will rise first. Then we, the living ones who remain on earth, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead and in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall, and so always through eternity of the eternities. Wow, that's a long time. The eternity of eternities. I can't even wrap my brain around that. We, are, we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words. He's coming for His church. And some of, some of us have been living long enough. We're going, man, they've been saying that for years and decades and eons, right? And there's one scripture that says, so where's the... Where's the signs of His coming? I've been talking about that for decades and I still haven't seen Him. Keep looking. Keep watching. Keep working. He's coming. Like one preacher preached, when someday became today. When I was 16 and got my driver's license, I thought I'd never get there, Brother Becker. It like it looked like it was way off in the distance. Anybody remember that? But when that day came, it was like, I am 16 today, Mom. Let's go. Right? Let's get this thing done. I've been waiting for this. So someday there's going to be, we're going to wake up one day and there's going to be, something's going to be different. We don't know the day or the hour, but something's going to be different. Amen? Isn't that awesome? God is so faithful. He is so faithful. His hour is unknown. Matthew 24, verse 40 through 44 says, 
Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of his house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready. Anybody ever pulled guard duty? Don't ever fall asleep on guard duty. Don't ever get caught sleeping on guard duty. I know some people that got caught sleeping on guard duty, and it wasn't pretty. And they weren't guarding anything important. That wasn't the point. It was their unit's turn to do guard duty, and just it just took one guy. And the rest of us got read the riot act over one guy falling asleep on guard duty. We can't fall asleep, folks. We can't let this world lull us to sleep. We've got to stay diligent. We've got to stay focused on what's going on. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. When someday becomes today. Titus 2.11, talking about we shall be changed. And I'm going to read this in the English Standard Version. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. See, Jesus Christ is our great God and our Savior. It says so right there. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people. That's you. That's me. For his own possession who are zealous for good works. Don't lose your zealousness for good works. What are those good works? Whatever he asks you to do. That's what they are. It's not good works you think of. Not that your ideas aren't good. But he, he anointed us and gave us the Holy Ghost so that we could follow Him. Look at those disciples in the, in the New Testament. Paul tried to go to a couple of cities. And when, whenever he got ready to go, the Holy Ghost said, uh, You're not going there. I want you to go over here. Paul could have just said, Well, you know, I feel like I need to go to that city. And he could have basically usurped the Holy Ghost. But he said, Okay. You say, I'm not going there, I'm not going there. So does God know what he's doing? Does God know what city we need to go into? Does he already know? I mean, you can go back to the Old Testament, to the prophet that thought, oh, Lord, I'm the only one left. And Jesus said, no, you're not. There's, I got however many thousand more besides you that you don't even know about. There's people in this city right now that are going to be apostolic. I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to say that. There are people in this city that are going to be apostolic that have not that are not backsliders. Us and them just haven't crossed paths yet. But we're going to. It's going to happen. And you can either be a part of that 
or you can stand back and sit in the bleachers. This is not a game. We are not supposed to be bleacher people. We are in the game. We're on the field. We're not just sitting on the bench. We are active. We are players in the game, if you will. If I can use that analogy. So he's coming for his church. We believe that. But that doesn't just give us license to just sit around and wait for him to come, does it? (laughs) Hey, I got my seat on the bus, Pastor. (laughs) That's not how that works. we're, We're laborers, aren't we? Laborers together with God. Everything we do is by His anointing, by His grace, by His direction. I don't know what to do here, God. If you, if anybody lacks wisdom, Brother Parker, what's the Bible say? Let him ask. Ask. He's not going to hold it back. He'll tell you if you ask. What do I say here? Where do I go? What do I do here? He'll tell you. It's not an experiment. He's not trying to see how much he can frustrate you and get you to just almost quit. He's willing that that nobody out there should perish. But he has to have a willing laborer. I, now, I can hire you to be a laborer, but if you never come to work, or if you do come to work and all you do is sit around, what good are you? Right? The boss is just going to say, well, I didn't hire you to sit around. I hired you to work. So let's get to work. What does that mean? For you, I don't know. Ask God. Or go ask your pastor. God can give this man wisdom for for where you need to go if you don't know. What he's there for. Right? He's the under shepherd, right? God is Jesus is the chief shepherd. This is the under-shepherd. He's going to listen to God. doesn't mean that you don't listen to God and you just take everything to Him. That's not what I'm saying. Saving you there. (laughs) You can listen to God for yourself. God had to prompt you to go to that altar and repent. So you heard Him. If you heard Him then, you can hear Him now. He's talking. He's trying to get us to move. Lesson 12, the tribulation. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined upon the people and upon the holy city, thy holy city, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to to restore and to build Jerusalem in the... Into, unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even the troublous even in troublous times. And after the threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not unto not for himself. And the people of the Prince shall that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war. Uh, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. 
And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, what does all that mean? What does all that mean? Well, there's, there's, there's prophecy out there. That God used people like Daniel hundreds of years ago to prophesy things that are happening right now in this generation that we're living in. And people back then, when they heard Daniel, were like, what in the world is he talking about? Well, I'm sure Daniel probably didn't know what he was talking about fully. He didn't completely understand what God was using him to prophesy, but he was writing it down anyway. Because there was going to come a day where we were going to be sitting right here, and this prophecy was going to mean something. And it does mean something. The end time is portrayed in an awesome way in Scripture. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, Hebrews 10.31. The judgment of God is revealed in the closing lesson for our home Bible study today. Daniel, the great prophet during the Babylon captivity of the Jews, recorded a period of seven years of the end time. We just read about that. God had a reason for recording it right then, right there, right when he told him, told him to write it down. Does God have a reason for everything? Does he have a reason if we're going through a trial? Does he have a reason if we're going through a test, a temptation? Is there a reason for that? Bible I read says that if you bear fruit, He's going to purge you so that you can bear more fruit. How do you purge a plant? Start whacking away at it. Start doing harm to it when it looks like harm, right? Got to cut away at it. But when you see it the next time, when it starts growing again, it's going to look more full than it did the last time. How many wants to bear more fruit? I want to bear more fruit. I don't want to be satisfied before I'm at. Who wants to be satisfied before you're at right now? I want to keep growing in God. We were just talking about that this morning. I don't ever want to ever get the attitude or the mindset that I have arrived. That I don't need to learn anymore. That I don't need to repent anymore. That I don't need to submit anymore. I don't ever want to get to that place. Because I want God to use me for His purpose. For His will. The tribulation judgments. During the seven years of tribulation, evil people will bring various calamities upon the earth. And God will pour out severe judgment on the earth. These devastating events are introduced by the seals, the trumpets, and the vials. Now, I'm not going to get real deep into this because it would just be really... (laughs) There's just not enough time today. But let me encourage you, you need to go read the book of Daniel. You need to go read the book of Revelation. That young man that was coming here, what was he reading? The book of Revelation. Nobody told him to do that. God did. He had a Bible. Somebody gave him a Bible. He was reading the book of Revelation. And he was, rightly so, he was scared. He was concerned for himself and his family. Should we ever get to the place where we lose that ability to have that same serious concern? Anybody in here got family that's not saved? You got a serious reason to be concerned. Because I don't know about you, but the Bible says the devil was that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was not it never says it was created for people or the souls of people. 
And there are people that are going to spend eternity there. I don't want them to go there. How serious do I have to feel like that for, for, get, for that to get me to move? <laughs> That's on us, folks. Not just me, not just him. That's on us. This city. That's on us. That's on us. The seals describe the following events. An evil leader who is is usually called the Antichrist will win the world to himself. Terrible war will come, followed by famine and death. One-fourth of the world's population will die. What's the world population? Seven seven point something billion? Half of seven point something. Half of seven billion is three and a half billion, right? Three and a half billion people are going to die. We haven't seen that. Can you imagine that? I can't. I can imagine a few hundred, but I can't imagine three and a half billion people just dying. There will be so there will be much persecution of the people who turn to God during this time. We're not there yet. Catastrophic earthquakes will disturb the earth. The moon will become blood, and people will hide in the mountains for fear. This is not just a story, folks. This is real. And there's going to be there's going to come a day, and we might be raptured and out of here. But there's going to come a day that this stuff is going to come to pass exactly how God said it was going to happen. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? I can't just save myself. For this promise is unto you and your children and all who are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. What did the people do? They went everywhere. Synagogue, house to house, everywhere they could knew somebody. They went there. They didn't pull out their Bible study chart. They didn't even pull out a New Testament. They didn't even pull out a Bible. But they went telling their testimony. They were there on the day of Pentecost. They were in that crowd on the day of Pentecost. They watched those people walk out of that room speaking in their own language, the wonderful works of God. They saw it for themselves. And then when Peter preached that message, they didn't even know it was a message. When Peter got done speaking, they said, men and brethren, and all of a sudden 3,000 of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. Something happened to them that never happened before. Wouldn't that be awesome? You're sitting sitting there. You haven't even gotten into the Bible study yet. You're just telling your testimony. And all of a sudden somebody looks at you that you're that you're trying to win and they say, Man, I want that. What are you gonna do? Well, we gotta wait till we get through the twelve lessons first. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Well, I gotta call the pastor. Nope. Survey says, second answer, nope. Choice number three. You're going to say, well, let's pray right now. But we're sitting in a restaurant. So? So? What better place for somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? The waitress, the owner, 
the cook, everybody in there is going to see that. How is that relevant? These signs shall follow them that believe. That might just be a chain reaction. I want to be there. I don't know about you. I'm not saying it's going to feel comfortable, but I want to be there. I want to do that. I want to see that happen. And it ain't going to happen just by us wishing about it. <laughs> you got to be out there doing it. <laughs> Stop laughing. It's not funny. There's trumpets and there's vials. You can go read about that in Revelations chapter 8 and 9, Revelation 16, the terrible death. Okay. The reign of the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 10. Got something i got to do here at the end, so i got to watch the time. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us as from us, as, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's one of them scriptures that's just, I think about that one a lot. What does that mean? Great falling away first. I think I know what it means. I'm not going to say. That's, a, that's up to you. you got to study that for yourself. But there's going to be a great falling away. It says so right there. The falling, there's, all this stuff's going to happen, but first there's going to be a great falling away. First, it says. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who is that? Satan. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself to be as God. Does that sound like the devil? That's what he wants you to think. That's what he wants people out there to think. Remember ye not that when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know that what with, you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness and un of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of truth that they might be saved. Deceivableness of unrighteousness. He is a deceiver. He was an angel of light. He uses that. What does the Bible say? You are taken captive of him at his will. They're out there right now. They're taken captive. They're prisoners of war. Those people that are bound by alcohol and pornography and homosexuality and, and all manner of things, that they're bound. And they don't even know it. That's the really sad part is they don't even know it. 
They don't know that they're lost. Anybody in this room, you don't have to raise your hand, but I don't know about you, but I remember when the day was when I didn't think I was lost. I thought I was just fine. I had it all going on. Until the day came when I found out I was lost. And it was just like the worst feeling, like seeing those blue lights in your rearview mirror, and you know that he's coming for you. (laughs) We've all been there. If you haven't, God bless you. (laughs) It's the worst feeling in the world. I can't describe the, the things that go on in my body, my mind, and everything when that happens. It's like, I just should have kept it below 80. (laughs) I'm just saying what I'm feeling in the room. (laughs) But that's a worse feeling, right? And that feeling that you know that when you realize that you're lost, it's just, it's unsettling. It was like those people on the day of Pentecost. They realized they were lost. Those Jews realized they were lost. And that's why they said that. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, dear God. I'm lost and I'm going to hell. What can I do? That's simple. He just made it simple, didn't he? And he stood up with how many? The eleven? It says Peter stood up with the eleven, right? And what it says? Repent and be baptized. And they all agreed with him. There was no disagreement on what Peter preached. So I'm <laughs> that's the only way to get saved that I know of. To enter into the kingdom. That's the only way. That's what he told Nicodemus, wasn't it? The Antichrist. The reign of the Antichrist. A forceful politician leader, usually called the Antichrist, will come. He's coming. And the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in this world. Revelation 13 describes him as the beast rising up out of the sea. The one world system of government will be in some sense a revival of the old Roman Empire. Verse 3 of Revelation 13. He will make war against those who turn to God during this time. Verse 7. All the way up to the moment that he gets cast into the pit... He's going to think he's got it all going on. I'm talking about Satan. And that's all by design. If the, if, the, if, the devil, if the devil had known that he was crucifying the Lord of glory, the Bible says he would have never done it. He'd have never done it. But that was all by God's design. Wasn't it? The ten toes of the image. Remember we had that little image on the wall last week? that Daniel saw, or Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. The ten toes of the image of Nebuchadnezzar and the ten ten horns of the beast in Revelation 13.1 and 17.12 and Daniel 7.7 and 24 are a confederation of ten nations that will constitute the world power in the last days. We're seeing that something along those lines being happening right now. Everybody's trying to jockey for power. Everybody. It's going to happen. Now, I'm not saying whether I believe this or not, but what if the United States is not supposed to be a part of that? 
we're the nation that God raised up so that Israel would have a friend and all that kind of stuff. But what if God? What if we're not in the? What if we're not a part of that? What if we have to be moved out of the way as a nation? Something to think about. Because we just go to the grocery store, right? We just go to the gas station. We just assume that everything's going to remain as it was. I'm telling you, I think there's coming a day where people are going to start. You're going to be on a diet whether you want to or not. Because there's not going to be enough food. There's all kinds of food plants all over the world that have caught fire and burned to the ground in the last couple of years. Why is that? Is that an accident? I don't know. It's happening. Is that by God's design? I don't know. But it's happening. If God, if I believe God's in charge of everything and control of everything, I have to believe that He's allowing that for whatever reason. So where are we in that? I think He's going to take the church out of obscurity in the last days and just launch us out there. And we're going to be the ones that everybody's going to run to. We better be ready. We better be ready. Hallelujah. Armageddon. The Valley of Jezreel, or Esdraelon, is located in the west of the Jordan River and east of the Mediterranean Sea. The Battle of Armageddon will be fought in this area. The name Armageddon is taken from the strategic military city of Megiddo, which is the, which is the fortified chariot city of Solomon. Armageddon, it has been said, will be the battleground of, for the greatest bloodbath the world has ever seen. What does the Bible say? The blood will be up to the horse's bridle. That's like like right here on a decent sized horse. Can you imagine being in that much blood? I can't. I can be in that imagine that being in that much water. Blood that deep. This battle will be ended uh, be the end of the tribulation. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords in Revelation 19:11:14 and 16. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon it was called faithful and true and the, and in righteousness he doth judge and and make war and the armies which were in heaven following him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and he hath in his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords jesus will come with his church to the end to end the reign of the beast and destroy his world system we're going to be there folks when when the when the when the spirit of the lord leaves this earth so that the antichrist can have rule and reign if you got the Spirit of God, this is what I believe. You're going to go with wherever the Spirit goes. If He goes out of here, we're going with Him. But we're coming back on white horses. We're coming back. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Right? The great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment will be a judgment... Of all the dead from the beginning of human existence on the earth, the only people who will not be need to be judged will be the redeemed people. 
both dead and living, who arose to meet the Lord at the rapture. Hallelujah. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and, and the heaven fled away, and there was found in no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Revelation 20, verse 11 and 12. That means everybody that was killed in the Holocaust. Everybody that died at sea. Everybody that was burned up in a house. Everybody, everybody that, that was dead is going to come before the, the white throne judgment. Everybody. Everybody. Every single person in this city are going to be there. The dead from all walks of life will be judged. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. Revelation 20 and 13. And then as they stand before the judgment, the white throne judgment seat, there's going to be evidence presented. The books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these those things which were written in the books according to their works. Revelation 20 and 12. The books represented three things according to this Bible study. The Bible, which reveals God's plan for humanity. So the way I read that is it's going to be when he's judging whoever. I'm not, I don't want to look at anybody. I'm not the righteous judge. But he's going to say, but what about this scripture? Well, what It said this over here. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you obey this over here? That's what he's going to do. That's the way I kind of see it happening. And we're, whoever that is is going to be standing there with their jaw agape, and they're not going to have an answer. They're not going to have an answer, not least not a verbal one. Of course, you won't have to be verbal in that scenario, will you? Because God knows our heart and our mind, doesn't He? He'll know what you're thinking the moment you're thinking it, just like He does right now. Number two, the recorded history of each person's life. I kind of imagine it like He's going to play back a video. Because He's keeping track of everything we do. He doesn't run out of he doesn't run out of terabytes of memory. <laughs> he knows everything about every individual that's ever lived on this earth, whether they did good or evil, bad or right or wrong or whatever it is. He knows. He knows. And that's going to come up before us. The book of life, the book with the names of the righteous of all ages. I want to be I want to have my name written in that book. What did he tell the 70 when they came back and they said, Hey, Lord, that, this is awesome. Don't, man, you sent us out there and, and the demons are subject to, unto us by your name. And they were all excited about all the things that happened while they were out there, and, and rightly so. But what did he tell them at the end of that? Don't get excited about that. Get excited that your name's been written in the book of life. I want my name written in the book. I want my name written in the book. I don't want there to be anything that I have to be judged about that I did or didn't do. Or any other idle word that I ever spoke. 
And I'm just touching on some things, but the Bible talks about every idle word. Talks about every action, everything that we do, everywhere we go, everything that we say. Being recorded. What are we doing for the kingdom? What are we doing for the kingdom? What are we doing for those people that are headed right now? If the Lord came right now, there's a whole lot of people that are going straight to a devil's hell right now. Not just this city. This is 51,000 is a small number. Pick, pick any large city. I mean, Louisville's not a big city, but there's almost a million people just in the city of Louisville. Lexington's the same way, a million people. That's just two cities in Kentucky. Let's just talk about around the world. There's like uh, 11 nations we haven't reached into yet. Something like that. North Korea is one of them. That I know of. I don't know. God might have somebody there. (laughs) We don't know. But we're not done. We are not done, folks. (laughs) This is not a bus, and we're not on a bus. We are in this. To win this, we are in this for the kingdom. God's kingdom business is about reaching the lost. He would not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? Is that true? And then the times end and and then eternity. The time after the white throne judgment is not described in detail, but the Bible does give us some interesting insights about the earth being melted with a fervent heat. Everything and anything that was a part of this world, including your iPhone and everything else, will be burned up and melted with a fervent heat. Because he's going to start over. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21 and 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there were no more sea. Can you imagine that? You could walk the entire circumference of the earth and never touch water. That'd be awesome. We, according to the, His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which, in which dwelleth righteousness. 2 Peter 3.13 2 Peter compares this transformation with the flood of Noah's day, which, being overflowed with water, perished. This comparison indicates that God will renovate heaven and earth rather than create from nothing. The earth was totally changed by the water, but was not destroyed. It's coming. It's coming. Our attitude should be, I want to take as many people with me as I can. You know, we got this thing that we that's in the Bible. It's called the Great Commission. We all know what that is, right? And so I've, there's five places, essentially, in my mind, where God commissions us. I'm going to read them. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teaching is... That word teach is a verb, right? Something we do. Don't, you can't teach all nations in here unless you got Zoom. We, and we can do that now. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He's teaching somebody in the Philippines over Zoom. How did they get connected? I don't know, but he's teaching somebody a Bible study on Zoom. 
He's reaching somebody in the Philippines. Who knows where that's going to go? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Mark sixteen fifteen says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach is proclaim. Be like the guy with the sandwich board. Proclaim. Tell somebody. Is it up to you what their, their response is to you, telling them about the gospel? It's not on you, is it? If they reject you, the Bible says they're rejecting him. So you just, you try to tell people if they turn, you, if they turn, turn it off, if they spit at you, if they, whatever their response is, is on them. But you told them. John, excuse me, Luke. 24, 46 through 47. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning at Jerusalem. Don't stop there. John 20 and 21. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you, for as my Father has sent me, so send I you. Jesus never slept anywhere. He never went anywhere. Or He wasn't ministering to somebody. We should be doing the same. Acts 1 and 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Witnesses. What's a witness? The Greek there... A witness is one who has information or knowledge or of something, and hence one who can give information, bring to light, or confirm something. We have something for people out there. Something they need <coughs> desperately. Why do you think we're praying here every Tuesday? We have a testimony in the power of the power of God and this great gospel of salvation message. We stand as a witness at the awesome power of the Word of God and the plan of God for mankind. We stand as a witness. Anybody ever been a witness in a court? I have. I had to be a character witness for somebody. It was really important what I said. It mattered to the judge how I answered. So I better be ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in you. How do you do that? Study to show yourself approved unto God. Not unto the pastor. Not unto your husband or your wife. Unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That doesn't mean you have to be a Bible scholar. It just means you better know it. Because it, it's, it's imperative that you know it. For that person that you're going to be teaching. Sister, do you come up? So we've gone through all of this. We're going to end this today. <clears throat> and so I'm going to do something. And I'm going to equip every one of you that's interested. I'm not making you come up here. But if you even think for a second that you want to teach a home Bible study, I want you to come up here. <clears throat> I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you some tools. Now, you all heard me talk about that guy that had that Exploring God's Word uh, Bible study cheat sheet thing that, that he made. 
So I took the liberty of printing a copy of that for everybody. And we've brought some Bibles in here today. And here's the deal. If you're standing up here, come on up. If you're standing up here and you're saying to God and to me and everybody in this room that you want to teach a home Bible study, then God's going to hold you accountable for that, not me. I mean, I care, but I don't care. It's not up to me. It's not my concern. That's between you and God. But if you take one of these Bibles, now you can have those. Those are a gift for me. But if you take one of these Bibles, it's with the understanding that this doesn't go in your bookshelf. This doesn't go in your closet. This doesn't go on a this doesn't go to on eBay. The purpose of you having this is you're going to give this away to somebody that you're going to teach a Bible study to that doesn't have a Bible. Now, I'm not going to buy your Bible study for you. You've got to have some buy-in. You can go on PPH or you can maybe find it on eBay. I don't know. Somebody out there might be selling their home Bible study on eBay. I don't know. Why in the world would they? But it happens. <clears throat> So I'm not making anybody do this. God's not making you do this, and neither am I. But if you want one of these, I want you to take it with the understanding that this belongs to somebody else, and it's your job to give it to them. Right? So, why are you still standing there? (laughs) Come on. Move. Those are the Bible study cheat sheet for exploring God's Word. Now, you do what you want with the Bible study you want to use. If you don't like this one, buy the one you want. I figure we got to start somewhere. And the purpose of ministry is to, the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so that's what we're doing here today is we're equipping you. Don't go back and sit down. Where are you going? Come back here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. This is like first service altar call. <laughs> we're going to we're going to we're going to pray. Because those people out there that are lost don't know they're lost and we're going to pray that God will open open an opportunity for every one of you that's taken a Bible to have the opportunity to teach that Bible. Teach that Bible study and give that Bible away. Come on up here. We're just going to pray together. We can just gather around here. Pastor, I want you to lead us in prayer, but we're going to believe that God is going to He's going to do with what He saw us physically do today in the natural. He's going to honor us and honor what we're doing here, and He's going to send us somebody to teach a Bible study, and I'm going to take one. But I brought them, so I got the whole box. I bought a whole box because I want to give a whole box away. Those are cheap if you buy them by the box, by the way. Amen. Just just giving you that for free. Pastor Fred.